Before we get to Sherry Preston and the latest on uh, cancer, the good news and the bad news, um, from the Woodward book, so I just mentioned where uh, Trump's ranting and raving about Paul Manafort calling him a baby, I guess, in the New York Times, and then him calling Paul Manafort a loser and terrible and everything. Um, he, he likes the baby references, I guess. So this is after the uh, Access Hollywood tape had dropped. And uh, and everybody, everybody on the Trump campaign wanted him to drop out. Everybody believed that was the only move available, except for Steve Bannon. Chris Christie, Rudy, Reince Priebus, they all said... There's only one option. It's dropping out now. We hand it over to Pence. Condoleezza Rice has agreed to run as the vice president with Pence. This is our only choice. If you want to save, wow, the, that's intriguing. If you want to save the Trump family brand for your kids and have them so they got something to live on, this is our only option. Only Bannon said, "What the f are you talking about? We can still win this thing." Wow. And Trump liked his thinking. Yeah. But everybody else wanted to quit. Yeah. Which is interesting. Good thing the New Yorker wasn't willing to debate him and have him on a stage because he's too nasty. Bannon. Yeah. Yeah. But so um. <laughs> so sad. But so none of these people would go on the Sunday shows. The Access Hollywood tape hit on a Friday. Kellyanne Conway, none, none of the supporters wanted to go on the Sunday shows and get beaten up over it because they they agreed that it was terrible and Trump's disgusting and, and he should resign. So they didn't want to go on the Sunday shows. Rudy was willing to go on. He went on. Defended <laughs> Rudy's him. always willing to go on. Went on all five shows, defended Trump, ended the day exhausted and everything, feeling like he'd done a good job. Uh, Bannon thought he'd done a good job. He gets on the plane. They're flying off to the next debate. Trump says, Rudy, you're a baby. I've never seen a worse defense of me in my life. They took your diaper off right there on TV. You're like a little baby that needed to be changed. When are you going to be a man? He's obsessed (laughs) with that, the baby thing. He is like a little baby. They took your diaper off. (laughs) Wow. Trump turned to the others, particularly Bannon. Why'd you put him on? He can't defend me. I need somebody who'll defend me. Bannon said, what are you talking about? This is guy's the only guy who would go on. I don't want to hear it. it was a mistake. He shouldn't have gone on. He's weak. You're weak, Rudy. You've lost it. Wow. wow. That's some good leadership. And Rudy's still out on the TVs fighting for him every day. We need more of that around here. Being called that. You've lost it. Beautiful. Isn't that great? Absolutely great. <laughs> well, speaking of great, there has been progress in the battle against cancer. Um, there is good news and bad news uh, from a, uh, a leading publication. Sherry Preston, ABC News correspondent, joins us to discuss. Hello, Sherry. What should we know? Hi, guys. Well, here's what you should know. The American Association for Cancer Research is a group that puts out um, advances and talks about what the federal government has done in federally funded research to discover and try and figure out what we're doing to fight cancer. A couple of the takeaways from their annual report that they put out, the good news is that the cancer rate has declined by 26% for adults from uh, 1991 to 2015. And they say that translates into about uh, 2.5 million people, people, fewer people who are, are getting cancer these days. That's so astounding. What drives that besides uh, less smoking? Well, they've got they've got a lot of new treatments for cancer that have been approved for the first time in the U.S. They're coming out. They're 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 narrowing down in some of the genetic testing that they've been able to find, and they say that these you know 22 new treatments that they've got for cancer, you know, really were calling into you know, cell therapy. They're they, you know they're able to now go and develop and go really deeper into what this is. They're they're also saying that um, you know cases, for instance, of cervical cancer can be lowered because the HPV vaccination 
information is out there. They say that can prevent nearly every case of cervical cancer out there. Um, you know, and they're they're encouraging more people to to get that for adolescents. Only less than half of uh, adolescents currently have that. But they're also earlier treatment, and they're they're discovering it earlier. They've got new devices to to, to try and track it and figure out what it is. It's not all great news. I mean, you know, this does equal into uh, how many people would you think every year in the U.S. die of cancer? Oh, um, I know the smoking number is huge, so I'm going to guess it's like 600, 700,000 people. It's 609,000 people. Yeah, you're, you're very close. But a lot of that is the smoking thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And smoking has gone down significantly. They say the cigarette smoking rate among U.S. adults now is only 14%. Back in 1965, it was 42%. You know, you couldn't even turn on a TV show in 65 without someone lighting up a cigarette every five seconds. Um, but now only 14% of Americans smoke. So, you know, they say that they're really encouraged by this. And, and these researchers are actually saying that they're calling the progress that they've made against cancer um, basically just through research unprecedented. They say they're really Really, really encouraged by this, you know. And one more thing, though, to keep in mind: as as we Americans all get older, um, that means the American population rises, and that means the sure. number of cancer cases will be going up too. So, you know, it's it's something right. that we can expect to happen. But as this research continues, maybe we'll have more good news like this. Yeah, well, I'm always I, confused by the stats a little bit because as a man, if you live long enough, you will get prostate cancer. It's just a given. Well, and I see yeah. in, in your report here, uh, Sherry, that the AACR predicts that uh, there will be a 40% increase in new cancer cases by 2035 because of the aging of the population. So, uh, you know, it's it's an ongoing battle. I, uh, yeah, uh, looking at the final numbers, I think, is probably the wrong way to look at it, um, even always, though they're, they're pretty inspiring right now. The point is to just keep pushing and keep pushing. I'd like to know statistically why they lump all cancers together for a total number and talk about the percentages that went up or down. Because it yeah, matters so much which cancer you have. Prostate cancer has a 95% survival rate. Only 5% die within five years of prostate mm-hmm. cancer. For you know, uh, for pancreatic cancer, it's, it's almost 0% survive. So it's a big difference as to what cancer you get. Yeah, exactly. What, what would you guys say is the number one, um, the, the most common cancer in the U.S.? Oh, the most common one? I is like it, this Jeopardy-style cancer report. Is it, not, gonna, uh, <laughs> is it not prostate cancer? No, it's not prostate. That's number three. Oh, wow. Uh, Esophageal. No. No. No? Not, not on the top. I'm just thinking of all the smoking. Yeah, I don't know. Why don't you tell us? Because we could be it, here all day. It's breast cancer. It's is breast it cancer. really? Yeah, it is. And and one of the other things that they found out about this is that there are some um, incongruencies when people, when they figure out what breast cancer and who has it, for instance, Latina and black women are much more likely to have their breast cancers diagnosed when it's much further along, not just for economic reasons, for genetic reasons. There are certain, you know, things that make it a little bit more difficult to track breast cancer in in, in black and Hispanic women. Um, the number two cancer in the U.S. is lung, followed by prostate cancer, colon cancer, and then and then melanoma. So lung right. is number two. So different. Lung is number two. Yep. And that's yeah. almost entirely smoking. It is, but it's not necessarily. I not mean, entirely, remember, but yeah, almost remember, entirely. That's um, why I said almost. Remember right. Christopher Reeve's wife um, died of lung cancer, and she was never a smoker, had never been a smoker. So, you, you know, sometimes it's, it's if a cancer spreads from one, you know, it, but they always go by whatever the first organ was where the cancer was. Sure. Sherry Preston of ABC News. Sherry, thanks very much. Take care, guys. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah, the smoking causes so many different cancers. Yeah. I know uh, lung cancer rates, people who live within a mile of a freeway or higher, 
Um, but they, they, which is interesting. Because I spent a lot of time reading a lot about cancer and cancer stats. Obviously, when I had cancer, I think everybody does that who mm-hmm. gets cancer. Sure. But um, I, I just couldn't figure out why they lump everything together. And it was, you know, it made it so difficult to parse out things. So many of the cancers, I've got almost no chance of getting. I'm, it's very unlikely I'm going to get lung cancer as a non-smoker. So that being such a giant <laughs> number, factoring into the, the overall survival rates, yeah. you know, it really really throws things off. I think that's the great balancing act of the drive-by media. They try to make it digestible and simple enough people can comprehend it and their eyes don't glaze. But then sometimes, you, you know, it's, it's, you now know just enough to be dangerous, as they say. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And yeah. and the cancers that have ninety five percent survival rates, do you want those lumped in with all the other ones that are much more deadly? I I don't know if that helps your what you know about survivability. Right. So the breast cancer stuff, as Sherry started to get into, is really interesting. Black and Latina women more likely to be diagnosed later than their white counterparts, uh, significantly for genetic reasons, which of course. Um, is impossible because there are no differences between the races. Oh, wait, now everything's about race. Okay, you people exhaust me. But listen to this. Women in same-sex relationships are also twice as likely to die of breast cancer than women with a male partner. Wow, have they got any guess as to why that is? Well, I know those who are constantly, well, they spend 24 hours a day looking for a chance to be aggrieved would suggest that Doctors don't like lesbians or something like that. <laughs> I can't imagine. Uh, I, I don't know. I, you know, I could make a couple of guesses, but they'd be bad and based on very little. Is there um, a weird statistical loophole that because of the partner of a woman, so a, a same-sex female oh, yeah. couple has twice as many entrants? Yeah, did they make a mistake then, there? Like, the Is breast, that a weird... Breast cancer in marriages? Well, it's, no, it's not a rate <laughs> per couple. It's... it's um, uh, Keep twice in mind, as I'm also likely an to, idiot. So. <laughs> yes, yes, that should be kept in mind. Uh, um, that's hard to hard to even come up with a guess on that one. Though. And that's, I've that's heard about a, lesbian bed death. You know, so I know this sex. seems crazy, but less uh, uh, caressins and gropins and 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 squeezins. The rest of it, I don't know. Okay, that's, that's a theory. I, I will tell you this. I like that one. Well, I, I will tell you this from having uh, 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 lived with a beautiful woman for a number of years. Um, you can have a, a cyst or something in your breast and not be aware of it for a very long time until you or somebody else puts pressure on it. Wouldn't that be wild if I that's, mean, that's the reason? I mean, I'm not saying that's the reason. Do you want to it lead with that story? It just popped into my head. Joe's, Joe's oh, for uh, broadcast sake. reports. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly got to be the title of this podcast hour, so it really gets out there. <laughs> wow. Lesbians don't grope in each other enough, jo- leading to cancer deaths. Joe's theory? S- says Radio Dr. Joe Getty. <laughs> Great. Super radio doctor. Listen, I'm trying to save lives here. Well, right. It's an interesting thing. I I, I don't want anybody to die. I have wonderful friends who who swing uh, in the L direction. And then the survivability rate would, trust me, when you get cancer, I think that's the first thing everybody looks up. This cancer I have, which where does it fall on the list? Yeah, that's something you'd like to know. That's the first thing you look up. But then that gets really complicated. Because they have different numbers in Great Britain than they have in the United States. People have different ways of coming to those numbers. And the cancer I had, for instance, had a 70% survivability rate for five years. Um, But those statistics obviously have to be old because people have to have been around at least five years to get to the numbers at all. And the technology changes so fast that it could be vastly better than that. 
You know, people use Captain Obvious as an insult. That's obvious, right. but incredibly important. I've never thought about it. Neither have I. Yeah. My head was snapped back. Also, you can there cause are, neck injury, according to radio doctors. Listen to this S if you ever look into it. Yes. There are different stats that, that uh, tease out dying from other things. So a lot of the survivability rates you hear about cancer... Um, that includes the people that died. It includes people who got car crashes, you know, stabbed to death by their wives, whatever. Wow, wait a minute. And bucket list chasers who, oh, the chute didn't open. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All those factor in. Well, that right. doesn't really matter to me. Since I got cancer, I just can't stop skydiving. <laughs> I want to live while I'm... Ah! So there's, there are other numbers that take out all of those non-cancer-related deaths, but are harder to find. Has there ever been a darker vein of humor on this show? Mm. Yeah, that's that's great to know. How interesting. Joe has more theories. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, give me a couple minutes during the commercials. I'm sure I could cook a couple up if you want them. <laughs> Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Don't let the sound. Show. A lot of people want to know if Dr. Joe has a Saturday show uh, they can tune into with your various theories. And yeah, it's co-hosted by the Advice Pirate. <laughs> uh, we actually did get a number of people who said, and I, I don't know that this is true, I don't know that it isn't, that um, women who breastfeed have lower rates of breast cancer. They're not exactly sure why, and there might be less breastfeeding among lesbian couples. I don't know. Ah, uh, interesting. I wonder if it would be statistically significant. Eh, interesting. Yeah. Well, I know um, the various cancers of uh, the male uh, junk are uh, uh, the, uh, the rates are lower the more you use it. Huh? Use so, it or lose it. <laughs> add that to the list of reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Completely unnecessary. So Louis C.K. is in the clear. Well. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Kick a guy while he's down, huh? Mm. So, uh, let's see. What theme? We're on cancer, et cetera. Um, uh, Joe Scarborough is an idiot. <laughs> you know, um, what, kind of, <laughs> what kind of a headline is that? Well, the uh, it's funny. I'm torn on this stuff. The cable news world, nobody watches it. But its influence is outsized because the the chattering classes of whom we are unfortunately a part, um, <laughs> and the do pay who, attention to the stuff. And the people who don't pay attention assume that this is the law of the land when they just kind of dip right. their toes into the water. Mm, You're right. Interesting point. You're right. I think they give it much more cre- credibility than it deserves. It, it, no it, doubt, especially now. So yeah. There's no yeah. arguing with that statistically. I mean, you remember the uh, the was it the Weekly World News with the Bat Boy? I believe that. That yeah. the one, yeah. I mean the the cable news networks. I remember Gulf War One when CNN first really leapt to prominence. Um, they were, you know, the the Chicago Tribune. You know, the New York Times is so fraught with controversy these days. I won't go with it. Um, five years ago, cable news was kind of the New York Post. Are you familiar with the Post? 
It's hard news, but it's tabloid, and it's gossip, and it's page six. Now, the cable news is like the weekly world news. They will occasionally print stuff that's true, um, but you don't know. I mean, they're just wild for ratings. and so. But anyway, having said that, I heard some of this yesterday and, and didn't like it. I'm not as mad as this guy, but... I guess Joe Scarborough went hardcore using 9-11 to take cheap political shots at President Trump and even wrote in a Washington Post op-ed that I missed completely that, quote, he is harming America more than any foreign adversary ever could, declaring on air that Trump presented a graver threat to America than the 2001 attacks did. How much of Scarborough and Mika's hatred of Trump? Oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. We're going there. And then he says, such hyperbole would be ridiculous and disqualifying coming from some anonymous troll on Twitter. But it's jaw-dropping from a former congressman, prominent cable news morning host. Then we're going to head to where Jack was. Um, This guy points out in 2015 and 2016, in terms of candidate Trump, Scarborough favorably compared him to Ronald Reagan, regularly citing his instincts and political courage. Scarborough eviscerated critics, declaring the level of rage against Trump's political enemies from inside the Republican establishment is astonishing. And that the MSNBC hosts, quote, conservative friends are sounding arrogant and unmoored. Candidate Trump was so appreciative, he thanked Scarborough publicly after winning the New Hampshire primary, uh, prompting the CNN report uh, on internal NBC angst over how cozy the coverage was. But as if someone flipped a switch. So they are actually worried inside NBC that their host was being too cozy with one of the candidates. Well, it was Scarborough and Trump. Oh, I know. I was watching back then. Right. They were his number one outlet. He'd call in every day. Right. But then something happened, which is, I think, where you were heading. Yeah, I just wonder how much of him outing their relationship, Trump outing the Scarborough-Mika relationship, is why they turned on him. Because, oh, that's right. Because Scarborough is an <laughs> anti-establishment Republican himself and uh, and took a lot of heat for it. And and, and he was friendly with Trump. And, they, and, and this was well into the campaign. It wasn't like, oh, we didn't realize what Trump was. They live in New York. They know who Trump is. They know what his act is like. Right. And it was clear on through New Hampshire that they were still... Liking him and and, ta- and saying good things about him. Oh yeah. So is it just a personal thing? Well, that they hate him so much. According to the editorialist Steve Cortez, um, once and and Trump, who is famously a bit quick on the trigger, or quick to anger, heard something critical, and so outed their relationship, which was really uncool. Really, really, really. Yeah, yeah. I could see being mad at a guy for that. I mean, that's just you know. That's just not cool. Here's what Cortez says. Scarborough saw his Trump access removed and discerned ratings opportunities unfolding on the resistance side, so he leapt into constant Trump outrage. Uh, You know, blah, 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 impeachment, uh, blah, blah, blah. So. I got to believe their deep-seated, like you can see it on their face, anger about the guy is about the relationship. Oh, yeah. The boyfriend and girlfriend. And then he started taking shots at the man's uh, babe. Oh, yeah. But you're oh, bleeding yeah. from her face. That'd make you mad. You'd never get over that. Nope. You would never get over that. Especially if you used to be quote unquote friends. Yeah. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, we may now know who done it. New information on those sonic attacks on U.S. diplomats. We've got a California GOP candidate attacked by a guy carrying a knife, tried to stab him. We'll give you an update there. Wow. On the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. 
The cryptocurrency industry has opened a D.C. lobbying arm, so it's uh, that big now. But I, I didn't I just hear today from somebody here that there, the crash happened with cryptocurrency. I missed the crash because I wasn't invested. I wasn't invested. But we'll learn more about that from Brian Fung, who yeah. we like from the WAPO coming up. Yeah, hopefully they can lobby to get my money back. <laughs> of course, once it becomes part of, you know, the Washington thing, it will probably lose some of what made it cool. Yeah, but. we'll see. Uh, let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, American intelligence agencies now believe Russia is the main suspect in those mysterious sonic attacks that led to brain injuries in American personnel in both Cuba and China. According to NBC News, suspicion that Russians behind the attacks is backed up by evidence from communications intercepts from agencies such as the FBI and CIA. However, it's not... So, we intercepted some intelligence that let us know what it was? Yep. Because remember, the story I had yesterday was, as recently as March, there was an official report put out on what caused that, and it didn't include the microwave stuff. Then all of a sudden it did. Right. Mm -hmm. So they intercepted some information. They didn't figure it out, like, scientifically what caused that they mm. they intercepted some communication that that tipped them off apparently or they're in the intelligence biz this is a little misinformation mm. part true part not true i don't know yeah the coverage goes on to say it was originally believed that sonic attacks were being carried out the u.s now believes sophisticated microwaves or another type of electromagnetic weapon was actually used in the incidents which started in late 2016 and have continued into this year Boy, if, if you could get handheld microwave weapons, you can. How much passive aggressive nastiness would go on in the world in an office or something? Oh yeah, I, my report's late. I'll show you. Well, yeah, you, you can put loud exploding sounds in people's heads. You can just damage their brain with yep. with bad feelings. You can put words in their head. They're hearing things. Make people crazy. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, ooh, that's a little scary. I'd say. In all, 26 government workers have been injured, suffering brain injuries, hearing loss, and other problems with balance and vision. And there's some others who they think have been attacked. They're now currently being tested. I hope this we're was- taking this seriously. It's no different than if the Russians had dragged our diplomats out of their room and beaten them with clubs. Is it? It's the same thing. Well, that's been my point all along. I absolutely see it as an aggressive act of war, as in physically damaging our people. I think the the response ought to be swift and brutal. I will tell you this, though. I'm I'm uh, mentally kind of uh, going down this hallway. So you have the weapon that can be uh, easily wielded, secretly wielded. I assume fairly easily transported. You could certainly set it up in a hotel room across from an embassy or whatever. Used without anybody knowing it, yielding terrible results. You have that combined with the uh, oft-predicted micro-drone swarm form of of warfare in which you have thousands or millions of nano-drones... That, that look like a barely discernible cloud of something or a haze or you don't even notice it that can go into people's lungs or, or what have you and, and kill from within and and control themselves essentially with the, I can't remember what the, the theory is but um, it could be we're moving into a paradigm of conflict in the next hundred years that changes everything weapons that can't be detected used with impunity 
with deadly results. Was that name the name of the third volume of your autobiography, Paradigm of Conflict? Yes. Yeah, it's it's uh, underappreciated. Mm. A man's been arrested after allegedly shouting profanities about President Trump, then attacking a Republican congressional candidate with a switchblade in the San Ooh. Francisco Bay Area. Wow. That's a shame this wasn't a Democrat attack, because then the media would spend all day talking about how Republicans ratchet up anger with rhetoric. 35-year-old guy uh, after the, was arrested after the alleged attack on Rudy Peters at an election booth at a fall festival in Alameda County. Nobody got seriously injured in the attack. But witnesses say the guy with the knife approached Peters, tried to stab the candidate, but the switchblade apparently malfunctioned. Oh, my God. So they're in the booth. The candidate and this guy are struggling back and forth, oh throwing things at each other. Finally, the guy runs up. The attacker runs off. He was arrested nearby in suspicion of assault. And authorities say he was still carrying the knife. He's got past yes. convictions for burglary and uh, battery. Obviously a crazy person. And he reportedly has a license to work as a security guard in California. With convictions for burglary and battery? That's what the news report said. Come on, the security guard industry. Come on. There needs to be an expose on that. We need to do a panel of... Does there need to be an expose, or do we just need to look? Yeah. One last note. Is there any physical requirement to being a security guard? A lot of places it wouldn't seem to be. There's no way that dude puts his own shoes on. No way. Mm Mm-mm. For instance, without at least some sort of tool. Exactly. To help. Right. Yeah. <laughs> One last note: The Tonight Show canceled an appearance by Norm Macdonald after criticism about his comments about the Me Too movement and fellow comedians Louis C.K. and Roseanne Barr. Hey, I'm, I'm not going on the show. Huh? Yes, <laughs> you got to fall um, exactly in line with the ideology. NBC said it canceled Norm Macdonald's appearance out of sensitivity to our audience. A former SNL uh, cast member told Hollywood Reporter he was, quote, happy the uh, hashtag MeToo movement. It slowed down a little bit. McDonald said people used to get a second chance, but now there is no forgiveness. He also mentioned Louis C.K. and Barr. Mentioned him how? It matters how he mentioned him. No, it doesn't. Did he say... No, it doesn't. That's the point. Did he say Louis C.K.'s a hero of mine? I wish I could do that. I mean, what did he say? I I wish I had the uh, the guts to masturbate in front of women. He he later tweeted an apology, said he'd never, ever defend their actions. So the the thing that got most most of the attention was uh, after Roseanne Bard died, or not died, after her show was canceled. No, 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 So you're calling for her to be killed. Wow. Um, Typical liberal. He arranged a, a meeting or a phone call between Louis C.K. and Roseanne because he's friends with each of them because he thought that they could both relate to, hey, both of our careers were turned upside down wow. in a day. That's interesting yeah. for and, completely different reasons. Right. And in his retelling of this <laughs> I'll story. I'll touch you, Louis. Just don't touch it in front of me. Roseanne he, said. he was attempting to highlight their individual, how difficult this was for them, right. which was then taken oh, no. as you're ignoring the victims right? and that sort of... I could touch it in front of Roseanne, but nothing would happen. Oh, boy. <laughs> there, uh, wow. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, I will tell you this, and this runs through the discourse of our time, the, the age of hyperbole. If somebody does something bad and you say... That person should be made fully aware of the moral repercussions of what they've done. And frankly, they ought to take a little time out of the public eye to think about it. And, and then at some point, you know, they're probably a good person at heart who made mistakes. And, and, and you know, we'll have them back again. You can't say that. 
You've got to screech for them to have their heads sawed off, for them to be ruined forever, to be unemployable until their death from starvation for what they've done. There can be no subtlety. There can be no forgiveness or understanding. It's got to be complete bloodlust rage in the 21st century. There you go. That's the only censure that will will, will be good enough, Marshall. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. This is why God gives us the sweet, sweet gift of mortality. <laughs> and for that reason, Norm MacDonald can't go on one of the big shows. Right. That's incredible. Even to say, yeah, I shouldn't have said that. You can't even have him on camera in modern America. Does that not freak you out, folks, a That's little bit? Wild. Uh, cryptocurrency a thing or not a thing? Oh, it's a thing. Okay. I'm glad I didn't invest. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Percentage of people that think Trump should be impeached or removed from office. We'll get into that coming up a little bit later. Hmm. Impeached or removed. There are limited means by which to do that, but we'll talk about that. And I uh, told a story about being at the ER the other day, and a whole bunch of you hit us with your ER stories. Oh, man, some of them are amazing. Yeah, stay tuned for that. Brian Fung, Washington Post tech reporter, joins us to talk about the cryptocurrency industry. Hiring up some lobbyists in D.C. Wait a minute, this is getting serious. That'd be your Bitcoin? Oh, and many others, Jack. Many others. So what's Bitcoin worth now? I don't know. Brian Fung joins us. Hey, Brian, how are you? Good, how are you? Did you lose your shirt in the uh, Bitcoin crash? Uh, Well, actually, I don't hold any Bitcoin. Why not? Uh, well, as a reporter who covers Bitcoin, I'm you know ethically uh, obliged not to to uh, hold any. Interesting. So. Yeah, that is point. interesting. That's, that's why you're big time. We're where we are. But anyway. Same reason I don't vote in the presidential election, which also saves me the time of having to vote. Hmm. So so tell us about the, the efforts by the greater, I guess, um, uh, cryptocurrency industry. Well, so uh, we've got some big companies on board uh, launching a uh, big lobbying operation in D.C. You've got Coinbase, Circle, a uh, number of investors like Digital Currency Group and Polychain Capital. Um, you know, they're all coming together to kickstart what's uh, called the Blockchain Association, which is uh, going to be the first real uh, lobbying group in Washington, the first big trade group in D.C., uh, representing the industry and, uh, and entrepreneurs. Um, they'll be talking to federal regulators and lawmakers, uh, you know, about policy issues like how should, um, you know, Bitcoin be treated under U.S. tax law and, uh, you know, how the, uh, the government should think about financial regulations in the cryptocurrency space. So Bitcoin was at 19000 back in December and is now around 6000 or something like that. That's quite a crash. So it's kind of interesting that they, they apparently think that it's still got a future. Oh, clearly it does. I'm sorry. I got to jump in here. Brian, would you agree? 
Well, I think, uh, you know, the folks in the industry are really interested in the uh, potential applications for the technology behind Bitcoin, um, which is the blockchain. And uh, you have a lot of innovators and entrepreneurs working in that space um, on things that don't necessarily have anything to do with the price of Bitcoin or the price of Ethereum, uh, which a lot of people are really wrapped up in. Yeah, that that was just that was a bubble, um, and it was the epic, the most epic instance of Warren Buffett's "When people get greedy, I get scared" uh, thing I've ever seen. Um, when when people get scared, I get greedy, as they say. But so uh, for people who don't comprehend it, can you? That's give what us, I was going to say. I don't understand Bitcoin at all, and I was wondering if you know these eighty-year-olds in Congress, do they have any concept at all? Oh, that's got to be one of the great challenges yeah. they're overcoming, huh? Yeah, I mean, that's sort of one of the reasons why uh, the blockchain industry is trying to pull this together. They think, um, you know, even when uh, you know, the price of Bitcoin is down, there's still a lot of questions that people in Congress are raising about cryptocurrencies in general, and sure. this is sort of their attempt to address that. Hey, would you condescend to give us 30 seconds on what the blockchain technology is? Oof. Sure. So, so uh, in a nutshell, um, blockchain is the technology that allows Bitcoin and other virtual currencies to operate. Um, it essentially is a way for uh, people to um, log transactions with one another in essentially a uh, global distributed ledger. Um, and uh, the, the ledger is uh, immutable, meaning you can't uh, f- you know, easily fake entries on it, which makes it more secure um, uh, than just having one individual or one company or one government hold it all it's complete transparency and Uh, that's right yeah so every every transaction is public and you can trace it back to um the uh the wallets or the accounts that uh it's coming from um even if the uh, the accounts themselves are held anonymously so does this technology transfer to any other things or is it all about these currencies yeah, in fact, uh, you know, with Bitcoin, the data that's being logged in this uh, global ledger is financial transaction data, but theoretically you could apply the same concept to things like uh, shipping manifests or real estate transactions or uh, contracts between uh, different parties, and all of that uh, is sort of what the the rest of the blockchain industry is working on. Right I don't now. understand any of this. It just occurred to me that I'm going to be an old person like at a grocery store with the inability to buy anything mm. because I have I have money I just don't know how you use it anymore <laughs> so I guess I'll just stand here and starve Brian Fung of the Washington Post is on the line you know it strikes me Brian and and please feel free to comment uh, as you see fit more philosophical in reporting but the idea that paper printed by governments will be the uh, the unit of international trade 50 years from now just seems silly to me well, I don't know that uh, you know fiat currency or currency that's um, you know backed by government uh, is necessarily going away. I think what a lot of experts are saying is that you'll start to see um, traditional uh, forms of money sort of coexist with this new digital currency system, um, and the whole idea behind it is essentially uh, to address you know a couple of main complaints about the current economic uh, uh, system. One is that it currently takes way too long uh, to transfer money from one place to another. Oh, yeah. It's um, always amazing to me with modern technology that it's going to take me this long to send some money to that guy. It's just crazy. 
Right. Another complaint is that, uh, you know, sending money from one person to another often involves a lot of costs. So even if, you know, say you're using Venmo or PayPal, maybe that transaction is free to you, the consumer. Uh, there's still a lot of back end costs that, that uh, you know, the companies behind it are all paying. And that, you know, adds up to billions and billions of dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And finally, the third complaint that a lot of um, blockchain innovators uh, sort of have about the existing financial system is that um, you currently have to place a lot of your trust in things like banks or governments, and a lot of the, uh, the innovation in this space is aimed at trying to decentralize uh, that dependence on authority so that, you know, instead of having to rely on a visa to certify that a transaction is valid, you actually rely on mathematics and code uh, to do that for you. Which might strike some Americans as a little paranoid, but if I live in Iran or or, you know, one of your, uh, or Russia, or, you know, China, or a hundred other examples. Uh, that's a serious, serious concern. Uh, Brian Fung, the Washington Post tech reporter. Brian, it's always What's going to happen at the Apple deal today? Uh, well, we're expecting Apple to release at least three new phones um, and possibly a new Apple Watch. Uh, they're going to be kicking things off at about 1 p.m. Eastern today, so you, you'll be able to watch online. Minor changes um, and- or big changes? Do you have any idea? You know, I think um, for the phones, we're expecting some moderate changes, uh, you know, different um, different sizes, different components and, and whatnot. Aren't they um, reaching a wall? I mean, because for a long time, better cameras drew me in. You, the camera, you can only get so good. I mean, the screen can only get so clear. Uh, they, they, at some point, they're running out of things to, to improve. Yeah, well, it seems like the rumors uh, this time around suggest that, you know, Apple is going to be um, – fielding some, uh, you know, cheaper, more affordable phones mm. um, that have, you know, some of the upgraded components in them. So uh, that could I, be... Yeah, uh, I get that. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay, super. Brian Fung, Washington Post tech reporter. Brian, thanks a million. My pleasure. Good to talk. I thanks. mean, you look at an old iPhone screen and it's blurry by comparison, but your eye only can perceive so much improvement. Sure. Same with the camera. So at some point you're, you're there. ER stories are good? Oh my gosh, yeah, amazing. Cool. On the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show.